Hi, it's Jesse, the founder of Max Fun, coming to you from the microphone at my home office where I am socially segregating. So we promised you a Max Fun drive this week, but things haven't exactly gone how we expected. So given the pandemic, we're going to postpone this year's drive. Uh, events are still fluid, so we're hesitant to give you specifics about new dates. Right now, we have late April penciled into our calendars. We'll keep you posted about that. As it stands, a lot of our drive machinery was already cranked up. So for one thing, you might hear a reference or two to the drive in our shows, which might have been recorded before we made this decision. And uh, here is some good news. There's a bunch of great bonus content available for all of our MaxFund members. If you're a member and you missed the email with instructions on how to listen, check your spam folder or log in at MaximumFun.org manage. Uh, also at MaximumFun.org manage, you can change your membership if your circumstances have changed. We know this is a tough time for a lot of people and we understand. You can also go to MaximumFun.org join at any time if you'd like to become a member. During the next couple of weeks, what would have been the drive, we're going to do our best to be extra available to you. Uh, we've got some streaming events planned, some social media stuff. We know a lot of folks are isolated right now, and we want to help provide comfort in the best ways that we know how. You can follow us on social media, and we'll let you know what's up. During this tough time, I have been feeling really grateful for my community of colleagues here at Max Fun, and for you, the folks who make our work possible. Goofy as that work may sometimes be. Stay safe out there. We're thinking of you. Hello, Helen Hong. Hi, J. Keith Van Stratton. Well, this is a little unusual. We are doing an episode, but we are not together, and I couldn't help but notice that there is not a live audience here either. No, we are, well, I am in my closet because of the coronavirus. And I am at my dining room table because of the coronavirus. You know, closets are better for recording, J. Keith. Not that I'm encouraging you to go into the closet, but you know. No, of course not. Uh, but the point is, is that we've had to postpone, I guess indefinitely, our live show recordings with a live audience. So we're trying something a little different today. We're doing this entire episode remotely. And instead of having two guests, we're bringing back one of our wonderful former guests. In fact, our very first guest, Helen. Yeah, Jimmy Pardo, the host of Never Not Funny. Yeah. So uh, instead of Jimmy playing against another contestant, Jimmy is just going to be playing against himself, I guess, trying to rack up the most points that he can. So what we're doing is, as our regular listeners know, uh, guests give us three topics for us to uh, potentially quiz them about. We pick one of them. People might wonder, what about those other two topics? Well, today we're going to revisit Jimmy's other two topics. So we've got two special segments for him with two very special experts. And... Um, we're going to see how this goes. We've also got a very special additional guest for our Fast Facts True or False round. You're going to enjoy that surprise a little later on. So if you are missing the live audience, which I'm quite missing the live audience right now recording from my closet, but if you are, uh, we do have an episode that's dropping on May 1st that was recorded with a live audience before, you know, the global pandemic happened. That actually is related to Jimmy Pardo because it's got his wife, the writer and performer Danielle Koenig, against Danielle's father, Walter Koenig, from the original Star Trek. We'll be dropping that on May 1st, whatever happens in the next month or so. Ooh, that's a really good episode, so definitely check that one out from before, you know, the world was weird. Yeah. Uh, so in the meantime, uh, who knows? Let us know what you think about this format. We may do a couple more of these remote episodes. We may slip in a best of episode from some of our uh, previous recordings. But either way, we'll be back on May 1st for sure with a brand new episode. And, and if you want even more of us, and who doesn't, we've got another bonus episode available to... We've got another bonus episode available to members of Maximum Fun. If you've contributed to the Max Fun Drive in the past or even this year, uh, you have access to hundreds of hours of bonus content. There's some great stuff on there. And uh, we recorded a bonus episode that you should be able to get any moment in the Max Fun Drive bonus content feed. Uh, we interviewed some of our previous guests about some interactions they had with their experts. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Helen, who were some of the people that we interviewed for that episode? Well, we interviewed Jesse Thorne, Emily Heller, and Jamie Loftus, among others. All right, everybody. So stay safe out there. Wash your hands. And Julian, cue the music.
real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, well, actually? <laughs> well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. <laughs> Thanks, Jakey. Means a lot. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the very first quarantine edition. Go Fact Yourself is the show where we take the smartest people we know and make them look dumb and then smart again. I'm Helen Hong, and now socially distancing from our homes in Los Angeles, here's our moderator, J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. Thank you, everybody. Please. No, I beg you. Sit down. Uh, Helen, as you mentioned, we are we are uh, socially distancing and trying our first remote show. Uh, how is socially distancing going for you? It's going very well. I adopted a dog, as you all know, in mm -hmm. December, Dodger. So it's been perfect timing. Dodger has been just just so stoked. He's just yeah. hap happy as clams that we're all self-isolating and he's getting to see me all day every day. Although I did tell him yesterday that if we run out of food, I will eat him. <laughs> I'm sure it's mutual. Yeah. We're yeah. taking bets on who's going to eat who first. <laughs> Are you concerned he's going to get used to having you for this amount of time and that so when presumably one day things return to normal, he won't know how to handle it? Yeah, I think he's going to riot because it's been really amazing times for him. I've been taking him to the park near our house twice a day. Oh, my. I've been brushing him every day. He's well-groomed. and Wow. I mean, it's just we just stare into each other's eyes all day because there's nothing else to do. Exactly. Now, as you know, I have two cats, and they have not changed their behavior at all. <laughs> they, 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 they have not noticed that I'm home more often. They, <laughs> they're uh, like, what are you doing here? Yeah, they, they seem to be more reliably fed, which they, which they like. But other than that, they're just carrying on with their lives. It's, uh, it's a little strange. Today on Go Fact Yourself, one guest will compete to answer questions about facts they know, facts they might not know, and frankly, facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics. And finally, we'll declare one of our guests the winner of today's show. I wonder who it will be. Let's get started and meet today's guest, Helen, who is up first and last. He is a comedian and host of the long-running, award-winning podcast, Never Not Funny, which recently celebrated its 1,000th episode Let's welcome Jimmy Pardo. Jimmy. Hello. Hello, Jimmy. Welcome. Good. Now, listen, it just dawned on me that yeah. I was your first guest on the live program, and I'm That's your right. first quarantine guest. Yes. yes. Congratulations. Very and honored. When we, and when we go into space, you'll be our first space guest. I hope so. I, I yeah. want to be the inaugural guest on everything. And just so I'm clear, you yeah. two are not in the same room, correct? We are, that is correct. I am in my home, and uh, Helen is in hers. All right. Correct. And, and I'm in mine. And I know yeah. a lot of little kids assume that we live together uh, as host and co-host, but we, we oh. do not. We live, uh, no. we keep separate residences. Well, I should tell you this, not just little yeah. kids. I was under that assumption oh, really? just seconds ago. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's why I had to clarify this. It had nothing to do with what's going on in the world. Oh, okay. Good to know. Good to know. I'm glad we can, yeah. uh, glad we can confront that. You know, Helen is deathly allergic to cats. Yeah. Oh, I'm also, that. I'm allergic to cohabitating with anyone, really. Oh, Helen. Yeah. Well, maybe uh, one day you'll find love. <laughs> Jimmy, as you mentioned, you were our very first guest, and, and we're so grateful for that. You've been very supportive of our show uh, over the years and continue to be supportive by being here today. As yes. Helen mentioned, you recently finished your 1,000th episode. Tell, tell us about that. Uh, did you ever think you would get there, and what did you do to celebrate? No, I think we always joked about if we were still doing it at 1,000 episodes, you know, put a gun in our mouths. But, uh, <laughs> you know, but then podcasting took off, and people seemed yeah. to be enjoying it. And my producer, Matt Belknap, and my co-host for the last 14 years, he had people call in, like uh, regulars on the show, uh, had them call in to congratulate us on making it that far, which made me feel good. And then also like really embarrassed at the same time, like having people <laughs> call me and pat me on the back for doing yeah. it. It, felt, it, was, it was really self-serving, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. I'm actually super impressed by the fact that your podcast is like a three-hour podcast. I mean, it's long. Well, that particular one is we 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 uh, most are about uh, maybe one forty five to two hours. Um, yeah, that's still long. Yeah, that's because I don't shut up, Helen. That has that has a big part to do with it. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how long this episode today goes uh, with only one guest, knowing that the guest is Jimmy Pardo. Well, again, I, 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 when I'm a guest, I'm a good guest. I lay yes. back, I let the hosts do their job, uh, whether they uh, cohabitate or not. Oh, that's very kind of you. Uh, how has how uh, Never Not Funny changed over these 1,000 episodes? Well, listen, the last few weeks have been uh, just different for everybody in the world, Keith. But, sure. Um, how, what, now, why is that? Why is that, Jimmy? Well, there's something going on in the news. Uh, you know what? I throw on the news. You'll see what's happening. Okay. Or just go on in the street and wonder why there's not a car for 45 miles. <laughs> 
how have you been changing your recording ever since the sort of quarantine rules have gone into effect? You know what? Uh, we have not had a record date yet. Uh, we did do one very similar to this where we did a uh, what, what we're calling the isolation files. And mm-hmm. so we're releasing those to our paid subscribers on a mm-hmm. uh, maybe on a weekly basis. Uh, so that's kind of cha- obviously that's changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the show itself has changed uh, to, to long-windedly uh, circle back to Keith's uh, question of, uh, you know, at first it was, you know, a 30-minute show at my dining room table. And now it's, as Helen says, it's, you know, like a two-hour show and we have our own studio. And I'm very lucky that uh, I, I built this thing so many years ago and people supported it and are still sticking around to listen to it. And you have such very loyal listeners, uh, which, which I always appreciate. Uh, yes, no, and, I, I, and, it, it's amazing. And, and I'm, I'm forever grateful that they stick around and listen to my nonsense <laughs> uh, whatever thing I'm fake mad at that week. You know what? Uh, I think the the real hallmark of your huge success as a podcast operation is that when I was recently a guest, I was offered an Arnold Palmer in a can. You're welcome. And I was like, wow, this place is legit. Yeah, we're top. I, I have those shipped in, uh, Helen. I just, uh, on a regular basis, I have 48 new cans shipped in every, uh, I guess it would be every 24 weeks. Helen mentioned she was a guest recently. I've been a guest uh, as well a few times. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what what do you look for in a guest? Obviously, you're happy if you can get a big name. You've had some great people like, you know, Richard Lewis and Paul Reiser has been on a bunch of times. But for someone maybe who you're not, a, not necessarily excited about because you're familiar with uh, their name or their work, what can a guest do as a new guest to, to surprise you and be, be a part of the gang? Uh, well, you know, I'm I'm excited about everybody. I, I look forward to whoever comes on, and I just want them to be to have fun and just to act as if they're, uh, you know, the, the kind of the best guests are the ones that will text me on the way back and say, "Hey, you know that story I told? Let's not let that go out public," because <laughs> um, uh, that's that lets me know that they really let their guard down and they're just having a good time. So I, I think it's just that, just people having a good time and forgetting that uh, we're recording in the microphones. But then otherwise, uh, to that point, whenever you bring somebody famous, quote unquote, famous on. Mm-hmm. You know, the listeners seem more excited about that, and, and people that haven't listened to the show might discover it for that reason. But, you know, otherwise, uh, just having funny people on, that's my goal, and which is why I had the two of you on. Oh, Jimmy oh, Pardo. See that? He knows how to say something nice and to help us get out of this segment. All right, Helen, against whom will Jimmy be competing tonight? Nobody. That's right. It's just you, Jimmy. It's just Jimmy. All right, Jimmy, when you were first on our show, we asked you to provide us with a few topics outside your field of work in which you felt you have expertise. As a reminder, you said you know a lot about 1980s music, the band Chicago, and post-1990s Chicago White Sox. Uh, We ended up doing a segment about 1980s music. We'll see what we get to uh, today. Uh, But later on, we're going to ask you some in-depth trivia questions about these topics. But first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. It's time to split some hairs with our What's the Difference round. We'll have one question for you worth up to two points. And if you give an incorrect answer, nobody has a chance to steal. So this really is (laughs) your segment to lose. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Here we go, Jimmy. Your topic today, can it? First up in can it, Jimmy. Jimmy, your question comes from a listener. Who is it, Helen? It is from Emily Schaefer of Leesburg, Virginia. Thank you, Emily. And listeners, if you'd like to submit a suggestion for our What's the Difference round, go to gofactorpod.com and click on Get Involved. Thank you, Helen. All right, Jimmy, in the topic of can it, they both start on a farm and end up in a can, but what is the difference between evaporated milk and condensed milk? Evaporated milk and condensed milk. Uh, maybe condensed is a frozen at one point, then put into a smaller can, mm-hmm. and then uh, evaporated is, again, the moisture sucked out. That's my guess. That's his guess. All right. Uh, we have Jimmy's answer. We don't know yet if he is correct, but this segment does need to be condensed, and our interest has evaporated. So let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. Both evaporated and condensed milk begin as regular milk, and then 60% of the water content is removed. But the differences are condensed milk has sugar added, a lot of sugar. In fact, it is often labeled as sweetened condensed milk because about 40 to 45% of a can of condensed milk is sugar. This gives it a sticky, gooey consistency. Evaporated milk does not have sugar added, and it has to be processed and canned at a much higher temperature, which gives it a more creamy texture. Uh, That's right. Now, condensed milk can be processed at the lower temperature because the sugar is actually antibacterial, which is why while I'm trying to avoid germs and isolation, I've been eating bags and bags of sugar, you know, for safety. Helen, how did Jimmy do? You know what? I'll give Jimmy one point. Thank you, Helen. For condensed milk being a liquid. That is true. That is is true. 
Yeah. They do. It is It is still liquid. You're very, you're very generous in these trying times. Uh, all right. What is our score at the end of that round, then? At the end of that round, Jimmy Pardo has one point. Yeah. That's right. Suck it, other guy. Yeah. All uh, right. Well, that score is bound to change as we move on to questions about topics our guest has chosen for himself. That's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself. Hi, I'm Biz. And I'm Teresa. And we host When Bad Mother, a comedy podcast about parenting. Whether you are a parent or just know kids exist in the world, join us each week as we honestly share what it's like to be a parent. And then that's how my day starts. Yeah. Come on. I'm I, so I, sick of it. <laughs> when is that going to be over? Like, I want it to stop. <laughs> Teresa, you're hurting my ears. <laughs> I mean, that's it. Yeah, no, that's... I just hate it. Yeah, I don't blame <gasps> you. It sucks. It really sucks. So join us each week as we judge less, laugh more, and remind you that you are doing a great job. Find us on MaximumFun.org, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to our very first quarantine edition of Go Fact Yourself, where our score is Jimmy Pardo with one point. That's it. It's, it's just really hard <laughs> with one point. Once again, here's Jakey Advance Rap. Thank you, Helen. Jimmy, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about 1980s music, the band Chicago, and the post-90s Chicago White Sox. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First of all, you said you know a lot about 1980s music. Yeah, I, uh, which I think you, uh, the, when I was on your program, I proved to be a fraud on that. <laughs> all right, I'm in A Barrett. 1982 hit for a one-named artist. Yes, I heard that part. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jimmy, do you have an answer? I'm going to fold over all my numbers. I do not know. All right, Helen, what was the answer? What was the, Give me the song, okay. and I'll see if I can name the, the artist. The song is a little thing called Puddin' on the Ritz. Oh. Oh, by Irving. The artist was Taco, yeah. and the songwriter, Irving Berlin. Yeah. Damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it! Sorry, yeah. Jim. <laughs> I locked up, and now I feel like whatever's about to happen will also make me feel like garbage. Well, that... <laughs> Is not the ultimate goal of our show, but um, I think it is. I think no, I don't. Plan. It really isn't. It's to make uh, me well, feel the fool. Yeah. Well, well, tell us about the uh, the YouTube series you have now that uh, is related to this topic. You know, I have a YouTube series called uh, Jimmy's Records and Tapes, where I uh, go year by year. I started in 1975, and I basically take people on a, a journey down memory lane via my record collection, an album and a song from that year that uh, is of great interest to me and or uh, led to a story from my life. And uh, people seem to be enjoying it and hopefully we'll do a second season. Is your record collection actually organized in that way, like chronologically? No, I would be insane if I did that. <laughs> the, I did me. I did work with a guy once where I he, we were at working at the record store and I said, what'd you do last night? And he goes, well, I finally did it. I, I organized my albums by producer. Like, okay, what? you are out of your skull. <laughs> Obviously, wow. the correct way to do it is by catalog number. <laughs> Thank you, Keith. Thank You're you. Welcome. All right, Jimmy, you also said you know a lot about the band Chicago. You know what? They're, they've been my favorite band since I, um, my dad was big into Chicago, so I, I, I got to listen to them quite a bit growing up, and then they were my second concert. My first concert was Kiss, as I think it was everybody from my generations. And then <laughs> I saw Chicago in 1981 at Chicago Fest with, I think, 150,000 other people. Wow. And um, we were in the front row because my friend Gary insisted we sit that close. The songs I knew because from my dad, I thought were great. And the songs I did, never heard before, I thought were great. And I just became honestly obsessed with them ever since that day. How old were you then? Uh, I'm not comfortable with saying that publicly, <laughs> Helen. I, I think I was four. Had to be, yes. I had to be. I know I was very young. All right, Jimmy, you also said you know a lot about the post-90s Chicago White Sox. I used to know, I mean, I knew a lot about maybe 91 to 96. I knew a lot about, and I don't know if my memory holds up. Growing up on the south side of Chicago, uh, the first game we went to was a Cub game. I do remember that. But then my second game was a Sox game, and I saw a guy named Alan Bannister, who uh, was up at bat, and he got hit in the head by a pitch. There was just something about like the way that he jumped back up and ran to first base that I went, wow, look at this guy. Who's he? What's he all about? And he became my favorite player. And then I became uh, a big fan of the White Sox. And uh, I've been a fan ever since. And then I, I lost interest a little bit in the uh, late 80s, early 90s uh, when I um, was working in the record business, but then got very much back into them in, um, I think, 90, late, uh, I guess, 92, season 92. Mm -hmm. So violence, violence is what got you into it. That's what attracted me. I thought the White Sox were that, that they were intentionally trying to get hit to, uh, to get the fans excited. Yes. All right. So to summarize, Jimmy, you said you know a lot about 1980s music, the band Chicago, and the post-90s Chicago White Sox. Today, we're going to quiz you about the post-90s Chicago White Sox. Oh, okay. okay. It's something you love, Jimmy. Let's celebrate it. 
It is something I love, but I don't like looking the fool. Well, you then answer correctly. Um, okay. So now this is an exciting time to be a White Sox fan. A lot of people assuming that baseball comes back sometime soon. People I, are excited about the about the near future for the Sox. Do you, do you agree? I, you know, I know the Cubs like to always be those lovable losers, but the White Sox have had a tough go of it. And uh, here we are. We're finally poised to uh, have a terrific season, and it may not happen. Um, so, I, but I, the team looks great. We, had, in fact, I had a fantasy baseball draft yesterday. We're living in some dream that it's still going to happen, and. I drafted uh, at, at one point. Everybody just said, "Are you going to draft all the White Sox players?" So <laughs> that's how many good players they have, though. Is my point right? And you've been involved uh, with the team. You actually got to throw out the first pitch one time. I did in 2012. I was there as a representative of the Conan O'Brien program, and uh, that was really cool for them to say, you know, uh, hear from TBS's Conan Southside native. Please welcome Jimmy Pardo. And you know, I, I know that people throw out the first pitch every game, and I know you know it, it's old hat to them, but to me. Mm-hmm. Having grown up thinking I want to either host the Tonight Show or play for the White Sox, and here I am representing a late night show, throwing out the first pitch for the White Sox was truly a dream come true. Wow, that is very cool. And how, how did you your, do? Did you throw yeah. a strike? How was your pitch? I threw. If you were a left-handed batter, it would be um, literally maybe just maybe just a tad inside. It was a pretty good pitch. That's great. And you also got to go into the White Sox broadcast booth. Was that last year? Oh, I did last year. Yeah, um, uh, Jason Benetti uh, when they were here in town at the. Um, Playing the Angels, uh, Steve Stone did not make that trip, and so on a Sunday, got to sit in for uh, two innings with him and uh, do the uh, you know, quote unquote do the play by play. I just kind of made comments while Jason was, did his beautiful job, and boy, is he good at this job. All right, well, just ahead, we're going to list the help of a bona fide expert in the post '90s Chicago White Sox to test your mastery in the subject with our expert level question worth up to three points. But before that, to let you show your love, here are five trivia questions about the topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed a hint for any two of these five questions. And if you get any of them wrong, no one can steal. So have at it. All okay. right. Here's question number one about the post-90 Chicago White Sox. Jimmy, almost 10,000 players have pitched in a Major League Baseball game, but only 23 of them have accomplished an exceedingly impressive feat. Post-1990s, two of those 23 were White Sox pitchers. One was Mark Burley in 2009, and one was Philip Umber in 2012. What did these two White Sox pitchers accomplish? Uh, they pitched perfect games. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. One point for Jimmy. A perfect game for our listeners who don't know means the pitcher throws a complete game without letting any batter reach base. Question number two. The White Sox opened a new stadium in 1991, which got a new name in 2003, and then another new name in 2016. What is the unfortunate name of the stadium now? Guaranteed Rate Field? Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Guaranteed Rate Field. Uh, The previous name was U.S. Cellular Field. Prior to that, it was the new Comiskey Park. Question number three, you're two for two. The White Sox, of course, won the World Series in 2005, but it wasn't their only postseason appearance since the 90s. They also made the playoffs in 2000 and 2008, only to lose in the division series each time. Name one of the two teams that beat the White Sox in these playoffs. 2008 was the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, and we I only need one, but if you want to show off, we'll take the other one. Maybe Toronto, but I don't think it is. All right, well, let's, stick, let's just stick with the Rays. Helen, is the Rays the correct answer? That is correct. That is correct. Tampa Bay Rays in 2008, they went on to lose to the Phillies in the World Series. 2000, uh, they were defeated by the Seattle Mariners. That's right. I, I, I knew that. Okay. That's right. You still got it right. You're three for three. Here's question number four. Okay. In the last decade, the White Sox have struggled to find success, with 2012 being their only winning season. 2018 was their worst season, so bad, in fact, that they lost more games than they had since 1970. Within five, how many games did the White Sox lose in 2018? 99. Helen? Yes, that is within five. It is, yes. The correct answer was 100. You were very close. Oh, it was I didn't think they got to 100. Okay. Exactly 100 losses. Uh, fun fact, despite losing those 100 games in 2018, they did not come in last place in their division because the Kansas City Royals lost 104 games. Also, the Baltimore Orioles that year lost 115 It was a a big year for 100 lost teams. Big year for rebuilding squads. Indeed. All right, here's question number five. You have a chance to go five for five. Oh, boy. Rawlings awards a gold glove to players for defensive excellence. Since 2000, three White Sox players have won at least one. Name two of them. Uh, Yomer Sanchez and... uh... You do have a hint available if you'd like to use a hint. Yes, I'd like the hint. Helen, how about that hint? One of the players won three gold gloves, and one player won one just last season. So somebody won three. Boy, oh boy, I'm locking up on this. Um, uh, You know, Mark Burley. Helen? 
That is correct. That is ah. correct. Mark Burley won three. Yomer Sanchez won last year. The other player was another pitcher, Jake Peavy. Jake Peavy also won. Jimmy Pardo, you've gone five for five. Woo-hoo. Wow. I, I literally, I don't know if I've been this stressed in my life, but we're going through a crisis in this country. <laughs> it's good to know under pressure you can excel. Uh, all right. Well, also, now, if there was a crowd, they would be going wild. They would oh. be going wild. We should acknowledge that. Absolutely. Um, all right. You obviously did very well in that round, but now here is your expert level question that requires multiple answers. It is time oh. for your cluster fact. Ooh. That was the audience saying, ooh. I heard Helen, will you do, Helen, will you ooh with me? It's time for ooh. your cluster fact. Ooh. ooh. We'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. Jimmy, last year seems so far away now, but let's see what you remember about some milestones for the White Sox in 2019. For up to three points, in 2019, who took over as the team's full-time play-by-play announcer? What player was inducted into the Hall of Fame wearing a White Sox cap on his plaque? And during the entire 2019 season, who was the only player the team traded? Oh, boy. Um, Jason Benetti is the play-by-play gentleman. Uh, Mm -hmm. I mentioned him earlier. Uh, Frank Thomas went into the Hall of Fame. I believe it was Frank this year. Um, and who is the only player they traded? Mm-hmm. It's not Wilson Contreras. It's the catcher, though. Uh, Will, uh, oh, his name begins with a W, and I can't pull it. Da, 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 da. It, it's, his initials are WC. I know it, and I just can't pull it. All right, we'll, uh, we'll let that count as your answer and see how that goes. Uh, Helen okay. is taking note of those answers. We have an expert in the hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Here with us tonight is an acclaimed broadcaster who in 2019 became the full-time voice of the White Sox. Let's welcome Jason Benetti. Jason Benetti, are you there, sir? I am. Uh, I am proud of Jimmy mostly, but I'm glad to be on the show and really happy to be with Jimmy again. (laughs) Thank you, Jason. And Jason, you've been a guest on Jimmy's podcast a couple times. I have. Uh, it is always not, not, never, not funny. <laughs> did I get the right amount of negatives there to do it right? I hope so. And uh, how did how did you two end up uh, meeting? Jimmy was tweeting about the White Sox at one point and sent me a message. I think is how it went. And and he's been very gracious uh, since I've taken over and, and become an announcer for the Sox. And frankly, he's hilarious. And when I came on the podcast, it was like I felt like I was at home. There are some very kindred, fun spirits, so uh, we've gotten to be fast friends, and I'm, I'm grateful for it. Are you one of the people that told a story on the podcast and then had to text him on the way home being like, yeah, maybe you shouldn't share that? <laughs> no, no, I, uh, I did poorly at uh, Sevens, as I recall. You did, That's a game uh, that you play on the, uh, on the show. We do play a game called Sevens, and Jason was not great at it, although I will... Uh, not to blow, as the young people say, blow up Jason's spot. Jason did speak of somebody and then said, uh, maybe we shouldn't include that. Oh, so, did I really? You did, yes. And uh, Oh, yeah. good for me. Yeah, and we did not <laughs> include it. Who was it? I, I'm not going to tell you now. Oh, I don't. <laughs> nice try, journalist. Uh, and so, Jason, uh, tell us about what led to you having uh, Jimmy in the broadcast booth, and, and how did he do as a, as a color man for you? You know what? Honestly, I made a mistake in not having Jimmy be one of our headliners come do the games with us when Stoney was Ooh. out. Jimmy was uh, outstanding. He's uh, full of energy. He knows the socks. He loves the team. So next time we do this, when, when we all get to play baseball and sports ball again, uh, Jimmy's going to be one of the first people I call because he's, oh he's he's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, we, that was a, a, a I told I texted you immediately afterwards. It was a dream come true, um, and so not only being your friend, of course, and then but uh, yeah, to be in the booth and to be just sit there for a couple of innings. And if I'm not mistaken, I brought the team some good luck in the couple of innings I was there, and then uh, it all fell apart when I left the booth. Well, you, uh, I was, I, I, what happened, I think, as I recall, uh, you took a lot of credit for a lot of the things that were happening. It started to wane, you left, and then it all came crashing down. Yeah. So I tend, I tend to think it was, it was all you in one way or the other. Thank you. I'd like to think yeah. it was too. I, and I take the credit for 2005 as well. You should. <laughs> Thank you. You should. I mean, the, the Sox lose at least two of those World Series games if you're not watching wherever there's, you were watching. There's no question they lose those two games. No question. Yeah, Jeff Blum. Jeff Blum doesn't hit any homers. None of that had nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Uh, Jason, one of the reasons that uh, so many people love you as an announcer is that you really integrate a lot of the advanced stats, but not in such a way that it, it, it interferes with the enjoyment of the game for people who don't understand them. Uh, what's your strategy as far as how deep in the weeds of sort of sabermetrics to, to get into that still makes it accessible for everybody? 
You know what? That's a really that's a question I think over quite a bit when we're doing games. I, I never want if Stoney, my partner Steve Stone, if he says something about a pitcher's arsenal and he's already made a really good point about how good somebody's curveball is, I don't want to then say, well, he's got the best spin rate in baseball because I don't think that really helps. I, part of what I try to do is make sure that what I'm giving in terms of stats can make you watch the game a little differently. So if mm-hmm. I say like, hey, this guy chases sliders more than all but three guys in Major League Baseball, I think that makes you watch the game in a different way. And it, the genesis of it is advanced stats, but people don't necessarily want the numbers. They want the assertions. They want the mm-hmm. underlying thoughts that come with the numbers. So I try to always make sure that I'm giving the takeaway along with the numbers because that's that's what people want to watch, I think. Yes. yes. I second that. Now, we talked about how 2018 was uh, not a very good season for the White Sox. They lost 100 games. Uh, As a broadcaster, is it more fun for you when they do well, or is it just another day at the office, whether they win or lose? I like when Jimmy and everybody else is happy when the Sox win, so that's better. (laughs) I, I thought I did think it was funny as Jimmy was thinking about the answer to the question about how many losses. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Sox went into that last series in Minneapolis, 62 and 97. So it was going to take a three game sweep to get to 100. So I think all of us were optimistic, like this is going to end at 99. It's going to be great. We're going to have like one foot off the edge of the cliff. And then like Joe Maurer was retiring and it was like the greatest day in Twins history to celebrate this guy. And the Twins beat the daylights out of the Sox that last day. And we're like, well, we stuck out our neck and got to the yellow tape of 100. Uh, we've described you sort of as a more, a more of a new school announcer. Uh, you worked alongside uh, a very traditional old school announcer, Ken Hawk Harrelson, for a while. Uh, what was that like, and what did what did you take away from that experience? Uh, Hawk is out of his mind fun to be around. He his stories, like some of the stuff he said on the air. I know. I mean, Jimmy being a fan of this team, like everybody can recite. Hawks rants at umpires like <laughs> come on Wagner you got to be bleeping me <laughs> yep. yeah like everybody knows him everybody knows the catchphrases he was so good to me just uh you know a phone call right when I got the job to say hey look I'm gonna be me you be you and you don't have to be me you can be whatever you want to be and people will come along like to have somebody say that who you know everybody's got an ego to be a performer in some mm-hmm. way or another for him to say that and really mean it, like we've had some very deep conversations about life and his legacy and all of that stuff. And he's, I mean, he has been really kind and generous with his soul and his time. Plus, I mean, anybody, anybody who's got the stories and phrases and ridiculousness of Hawk Harrelson, like you want to, I want to have a drink with him right now. Like that would be awesome <laughs> to be quarantined with Hawk Harrelson would be would be real high on my list. We'd watch a lot of Walker Texas Ranger. Yeah, there'd be a lot of stuff you'd be putting on the board. Oh yeah, there's yes. there's some stuff to be put. Uh, all right, and the last thing I want to say is uh, last thing I want to ask you about it, a, a recurring theme on on this show has been uh, that I am a humongous baseball fan, and uh, let us just say that Helen is is not uh, yet. Um, <laughs> yes. I'm sorry. I checked out. Yes, you, you checked out, and then we then we mentioned your name. Uh, what, what would you What would you say to somebody who may, who doesn't think baseball is interesting or doesn't doesn't want to give it a shot? If you want to, what, what can we do to to try to bring Helen into the fold, or should we just let her go and do her own Star Trek things? Drift away to sea. No, uh, I think it's I think it's funny to think about you saying baseball and then Helen's mind just going on pause for ten yeah. seconds while the <laughs> blather happens. Uh, what I would say is. Every single one of those players has come from somewhere. Every single one of those players has ambitions that go beyond being the best player. It means something to them and to their family and to their coaches and to all of that. And to be able to survive and thrive over 162 games is a human feat. To be able to do that at a high skilled level every day is a really uh, impressive, uh, full of fortitude human feat. Plus, in fact, going outside as a luxury item as it is right now sounds <laughs> really great, and we have abundant sunlight and grass. Uh, Helen, how did you uh, how did you feel about that invitation to come into baseball? What? Okay. Oh, you said baseball. It oh, froze sorry. your mind for ten Darn seconds. It. Darn it. 
All right, well, thanks so much, uh, Jason. Let's get to the reason that we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the questions that we asked of Jimmy. Uh, let's go in this order. Uh, we wanted to know from Jimmy what player was inducted into the Hall of Fame wearing a White Sox cap on his plaque in 2019. Helen, what was Jimmy's answer? Jimmy said Frank Thomas. And Jason Benetti? That would have been a grand answer if Frank hadn't already gone in, Jimmy. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, the answer was Harold Baines. Harold, Harold Baines. Drive course. Long-time White Sox. Yes, a bit of a controversial uh, selection for the Hall of Fame. Not for us. Oh, yeah. Everybody, everybody <laughs> else hated it. We love it. Yeah. Uh, all right, so no point there. Uh, oh, son of a gun. Sorry, sorry, Jimmy. Uh, next, we want to know, during the entire season, who was the only player that the White Sox traded? Uh, Helen, what did Jimmy say? Jimmy said somebody with the initials WC. I know and who it is now. WC Fields, Jimmy? The Sox traded WC Fields? They got rid of Fields. He didn't play with the kids. Uh, who, do you, who do you think it is now, Jimmy? Well, uh, did I, who did I say earlier? I said Wilson. It's Wellington Castillo. Uh, Jason is that Benetti? right? No, he was, he was suspended. Oh, uh, wasn't he traded too, though? Here's the thing, as you as you were giving your answer and you were like, ah, 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 I can tell you that I had the same reaction when I was told the question earlier today. I was like, oh my goodness, I don't remember. The answer is actually Nate Jones, the relief pitcher. Oh, geez, okay. Oh, good yeah, that, was, that one was a harder one. Uh, but the easy one that I think you might have gotten correctly, but we'll, we'll see. We want to know in 2019 who took over as the team's full-time play-by-play announcer. Helen, what did Jimmy say? <laughs> Jimmy said Jason Benetti. And Jason Benetti? Uh, that is currently that correct. That is correct. Yes. Here's your point, yes. Jimmy Pardo. Right, so I got uh, one. In, in fairness, I did say the great Jason Benetti. So I, I get, should I get a bonus point for that? That's up to our expert. You get yeah. a bonus million points. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> wow. Uh, Jimmy, is there anything you'd like to ask of uh, Jason while we have him no. here? You know what? I, I, I've got no quite. What I will say is going back to the question that you had for or st- uh, talking about uh, Jason's broadcast style. The reason I think Jason is so great is he is um, for, he's an old school broadcaster, but uses current vernacular, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And without trying too hard, like he's not he uses pop culture references, but not to show off in a way like that Dennis Miller tried to do on Monday Night Football. Mm-hmm. Um so you kind of feel like you're hanging out with with your best friend who knows a heck of a lot about the game. Uh, and oh, by the way, he's the play-by-play guy. So like that's what I think makes him so great. And the chemistry between him and Steve Stone is, I mean, literally second to none. And I would have said that about Harrelson and Steve Stone. So it's um, it, it's just, it's really great, great, great viewing. Well, that's ultimately very, very kind. And I, I really do appreciate it. And the, the the thing that I, I want to say about Jimmy before we go is listening to Never Not Funny always makes me smile. Thank you. Aww. My pleasure. Thank you. And hopefully, Jason, will get to see you at some point this season because, uh, boy, oh boy, it's not looking good as day goes by. Jason, do you have any inside scoop on what might happen with the season? It's so hard to say. I mean, it, it all depends on science and the government and, and how we contain this thing. I mean, I, I think there, there are a lot of contingency plans right now. They're really going to try. But I don't, I don't have an answer because it's all so, so rapidly changing that if I gave you an answer right now, if people listen to this in seven days, I think it's going to be different. Is there any chatter of them playing the games without uh, fans so that people at home can enjoy it on television? What I'm gathering is that's a possibility. I think they'd go there before they canceled. That's just my feeling. That's not based on like insider information. Mm-hmm. My feeling is that they want to play, if at all possible, just because of the healing that it can do too. Yeah, yeah. I don't know though. I don't know about this idea of, of doing something that you normally do in front of a crowd without <laughs> a crowd. I don't know if that could work. Jason, if people want to find out more about you uh, or if they want to find you on social media, where can they go? At Jason Benetti on Twitter is the place where they can go and find me most. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It was an absolute pleasure. I've been a fan as well. Uh, Thank you so much, Mr. Jason Benetti. Helen, what is our score at the end of that round? With that extra point that Jason Benetti gave Jimmy, he currently has eight points. Eight points. But we'll give Jimmy a chance to add even more points about another topic he knows a lot about. Oh, Plus, we'll have our fast facts round all up ahead on Go Fact Yourself. 
Hey, Max Fun listeners. Have you been listening to Max Fun for a while and you've just been wondering, where's the new Flat Earth podcast I keep hearing about? Well, here it is. We give you all the facts on NASA's lies and how we know that the Earth is actually flat. Just, just kidding. kidding. <laughs> this is Ono, Ross, and Carrie, and we join fringe religious groups. We undergo alternative medical treatments. And we hang out with people like 9-11 truthers, flat earthers. We find out why do people believe strange things. We join them, and we tell you all about it. We have a lot of fun. We make a lot of friends. Yeah, we do. We joined the Mormons. We joined the Scientologists. We got acupunctured. We got fire cupped. We got ear candled. We've done it all, and we're going to keep doing it all. Why don't you check out Ono, Ross, and Carrie at MaximumFun.org? Welcome back to our very first quarantine slash self-isolation version of Go Fact Yourself, where our score is Jimmy Pardo with eight points, playing against Jimmy Pardo with eight points. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. Nothing makes sense anymore. Jimmy, as we said, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about 1980s music, the band Chicago, and the post-90s Chicago White Sox. Now we want to quiz you about... The band Chicago. I see. Okay. I'm excited. All right. Let's talk about the band Chicago. How many times uh, would you say you've seen Chicago in concert? Over 100. Um, Over 100? Really? Wow. Are you serious? Yeah. I, I saw them. Well, I mean, we're go- listen, we're going all the way back to 81. So what is that? 40 years ago, almost 39 years ago. Wow. Um, and so I saw them a lot, especially in the mid 80s, mid to late 80s. I saw them probably, you know, I mean, obviously it's got to be many, at least five times on every tour. I, I, I was kind of a... Uh, kind of a, a Grateful Dead follower for Chicago, where if they were anywhere within like a six to seven hour drive from sh- uh, my home in Chicago, I would go see them. Wow. Um, whenever one of them would do a solo show as well, I'd go see them. And, you know, Bill Champlin would do a solo one. He's no longer in the band, of course, but when I would, uh, he would play out as a solo act, I'd see him. I've seen Peter Cetera a zillion times. I've seen Jason Sheff when he performed solo. Uh, Robert Lamb performed solo. I think of only one time that he ever did it in Los Angeles and I was there. Um, so, like, yeah, I've seen them a lot, is my point. When was the last time you saw them? I want to say last summer at the Greek here in Los Angeles. And, um, and are they still, they still hold up? They are. I'll tell you what. I know a lot of the people that have been as fans as long as me, or, you know, obviously uh, much longer because they've been around since 67, um, will argue that they've never been as good as they were in the 60s and 70s and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but, I mean, they've got top-notch musicians with them, and the three guys that are still in the band, you know, Lee Lochnane, Jimmy Panko, and... Uh, Robert Lamb are still terrific musicians, and they for seventy-year-old dudes, man, they sound great, and the band sounds great. And you've gotten to meet some of the band over the years. I've been very, very lucky in that a young man by the name of Peter Pardini did a documentary called Now More Than Ever, and he reached out to me to interview me and uh, for that documentary. And I'm in the documentary for about thirty seconds. Um, which people are like, oh, you're only in there for 30 seconds. It's like, that's 30 seconds more than I should be in a documentary about <laughs> Chicago. Like, I was at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with them. Uh, not with them. I went there on, uh, uh, covering it for the AV Club for the Onion. You didn't open for them? I did not open for them at the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Nobody was interested in me. My interactions with them are at least not a weirdo fan guy on the street going, I don't want to be that guy. So it's better than that. Does your son love them? My son's a big '80s music guy. He likes the '80s uh, quite a bit, and um, but he does he does like Chicago, uh, but not like his old man does. Mm. <laughs> one day, one day. Yeah. All right. Well, just that we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in the topic with our three part okay. question. But before that, to give you a chance to show off, here are five trivia questions about your topic, each worth one point. Again, you're allowed a hint for any two of these five okay. questions. Now remember this: yes. I've seen them over a hundred times, and if I miss any of these, I'm going to look like a jackass. Uh, oh, I'm so scared. <laughs> Well, let's let's start with question number one and uh, okay. see how you do. You said the okay. same thing about the White Sox, and you got all five right. Darn right, I did. All right, all right. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> question number one: Founding Chicago member Terry Kath has been called a forgotten guitar god, not fully recognized for how good of a player he was. But one fellow guitar god knew what Purple Haze performer was quoted as telling Chicago, "Your guitar player is better than me." Uh, the gentleman said, uh, supposedly said, your horn plays like one set of lungs and your guitar player is better than me. And that gentleman was Jimi Hendrix. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Jimi Hendrix, indeed. I, I will tell you that I'm a little bit, I know that I was scared about these questions, but I'm yeah. insulted that you felt the need to include Purple Haze in that. I hope that was for <laughs> not me. Well, that was for our listeners who maybe, okay. uh, can, can, you know, want to get at least one of these right, maybe are not as familiar with Chicago. Okay, fair enough. They will, they will allegedly get more difficult, but not much more difficult as evidenced by this question, number two. Okay. 
Based on the calendar, Independence Day of 1970 seems to have been the inspiration for what Monster Chicago 1972 hit written by Robert Lamb. Uh, That comes off Chicago 5, and that would be Saturday in the Park. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Uh, Jimmy, do you find it odd that uh, the narrator in the song knows it was a Saturday but wasn't sure it was the 4th of July? That's the day that, that, that's the part of it that tripped him up. Remembers the day, but not the date. Yeah, but wouldn't you think 4th of July, that's the date you would remember? I would think so. I mean, there's kids eating ice cream. There's a man singing songs, uh, Italian songs. Uh, So he knows a lot of specifics, just can't remember that day. (laughs) The fireworks didn't tip him off? (laughs) Uh, The reason that we say it was uh, probably the inspiration of 1970 is because uh, before that, the last time that Independence Day fell on Saturday was in 1959. All right, two for two, Jimmy. Here's question number three. In 1986, Chicago shared a Grammy Award nomination for Album of the Year for We Are the World. That's because they contributed a song to the album. What was that song? It was co-written. I think three people co-wrote it. Uh, I know two of them were Robert Lamb. I think it's Robert Lamb. Is it Robert Lamb, David Foster, and Richard Marks? It's called Good for Nothing. Helen? That is correct. That is correct, and we appreciate the extra bonus show-off information as well. Well, I could be wrong about it. (laughs) Well, we'll see. It was, however, the last song released by Chicago to include Peter Cetera, that you probably also knew. Yes. All right, you're three for three. Here's question number four. After the death of bandmate Terry Kath, Chicago considered breaking up. What leader of a different band convinced them to stay together, saying, quote, you have changed my life and others with your music, and you have a tremendous responsibility to continue? If I'm not mistaken, that's the leader of the Tonight Show band, Doc Severinsen. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Didn't fool you at all on that one. Doc Severinsen was the leader of the Tonight Show band. By the way, his real first name is Carl. Oh, that's just not as cool. Not as cool. Uh, yes, I thought he was a real doctor until about six years ago. And then what happened in that incident? I went up to him and I asked him to take a look at a mole and he said, I play the horn, dude. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> that would do it. All right, Jimmy, you have another chance to go five for five if you can okay. do well on this question. Chicago's most recent album contains all Christmas songs. And according to the label, it's their fourth LP of Christmas tunes to be released. The album features one song on there twice, a song called Merry Christmas, I Love You, in two different styles or versions. For the point, give us one of the song's writers and one of the song's versions. Oh, jeez. You do have a hint available if you'd like to use the hint, but maybe you want to talk it out first. Oh, is that a Robert Lamb composition and maybe like a samba version? Like a, uh, not samba, more a uh, uh, bossa nova, like a bossa nova mix? I'm going to go Bossa Nova mix Robert Lamb. Helen? That is not correct. Uh, no, it was co-written by Lee Lochnane, who produced the album, and John Durrell of The Ventures, or John Durrell of The Ventures. Uh, and the two versions on there were an R&B version and a ballad version. Yeah, an okay. R&B and a ballad. I'm sorry, no point there. You still did quite well in that round. But now here is your expert level question that requires oh, multiple no. answers. It is time for your cluster fact. Ooh. We'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. Okay. 1982's album Chicago 16 had a lot of firsts for the band. Their first with Warner Records, their first produced by David Foster, and their first to feature a new member of the band. For up to three points, who was this new member, and what were the two top five hits he later sang solo lead on for Chicago? Um, well, the gentleman's name is Bill Champlin, mm-hmm. and he sang uh, lead on the number one song, Look Away, and... Um, Oh, it's also off Chicago 19, and I can't pull it because I'm locking up. Take a breath. No hurry. We, no one has anywhere to go. I don't want to live with. I don't want to live without your love. Okay, so let's get get them all together. Give us all three of the answers together. I'm going. Bill Champlin, look away, and I don't want to live without your love. All right, Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Here with us tonight is a Grammy-winning writer, producer, and singer who spent 28 years with the band Chicago. Let's welcome Bill Champlin. Hey, Jimmy. How I'm you doing, doing Bill? One of the songs was a song called If I'd Have Killed You When I Wanted To, I'd Be Out By Now, but I don't think that actually made the record. So, you know. <laughs> that didn't make the cut? Top five. No, did not, not, not Yeah, not they five. had to go with the other uh, two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Bill, you heard uh, Jimmy uh, mention earlier that uh, he's seen many people from the band uh, in their solo concerts. You were the first name that he mentioned. I didn't. I didn't see you. I mean, next time, come up and tap me on the shoulder. Let's. Let's. Uh, you know, we'll, I'll. I'll put well, you on my dance card. You know what I mean? All right. Well, you, you seem to be busy during those shows. I didn't want to distract you. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, there's that. At this point, of, at this point of the game, I got to pay a little bit of attention to the damn thing. It's got 88 of them. Some of them are black. Some of them are white. You know. 
I understand. <laughs> uh, now, Bill, uh, can you tell us a little bit about how you came to join Chicago and then how you decided to uh, leave? Well, you know, right after Terry Kath passed away, they called me right after that to see if I was interested. And I misunderstood. I thought it was just, it was like a guitar gig. And then later on, I mean, after a little while, I think they went with Donnie Dacus for a while, uh, which was great. I, I thought it was great. And then... I like Donnie too. Yeah, a couple of years. Yeah, he's a sweetie pie too. He's a great guy. A couple of years later, I had done background vocals and I ended up doing background vocals with another singer, Peter Cetera. And when we went out on the microphone and sang, everybody in the booth, just their jaws dropping and went, oh, whoa, what a blend this is. Next thing you know, I'm getting calls from Danny going, hey, you want to... Want to be in Chicago? I says I don't. I'll do sideman stuff, really. He says no, no, no. We want you as a you know as a full principal member of the band. So I thought about it for a while. I was just about to release a solo album, but at some point of the game, I realized the guy who had signed me at Electra for the Runaway album had left. By the time the album came out, I knew nobody at the nobody at the label would even knew who I was. So. I, this kind of looked like a pretty good deal. So I'll give it four or five years. <laughs> and uh, and four or five years turned into 28 years. Amazing what a paycheck will do. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I've heard. Bill, I first saw your name on a Lee Rittenauer album when you were doing vocal on Isn't She Lovely. What was that like uh, working with Lee? Rittenauer's great, man. He was he, he and I had done some stuff together. And then, uh, uh, actually, at that point, David called me. I was still living in the Bay Area. Foster called me and says, hey, you want to do this? And I just heard it a week before on Stevie's record. And I said, are you kidding? You know, I mean, twist my arm. And he said, well, what key What key is it? So I went to the piano. We worked out the key over the telephone. Uh, Bill, some of the other artists that you've worked with include uh, Elton John, Patti LaBelle, Neil Diamond. And uh, I know you also work with uh, Kenny Rogers, who we just uh, lost uh, this yeah, week. I know. Uh, what, are your memories of, what are your memories of Kenny Rogers, if you don't mind sharing? You know, I didn't, I never met him. But we had some we had oh, some really? stuff come down. There was a situation where uh, the, one of the songs that was on that album is a song Kenny sang, and, and I can't remember which song. It ended up being like the theme for the for the show Tough Guys for the movie mm-hmm. uh, Tough Guys. I think it was uh, Burt Lancaster and Kirk Douglas. Maybe the yeah, last of the yeah, right. of the, those two really doing like, lead roles. You know, it was a great movie actually, and and mm-hmm. Kenny really wanted to do it. Somebody called me and said, "Hey, you know." We want you to do a duet. Now, because I had been working on other material on that record, Jay Graydon, who was producing that record, kind of mentioned, well, Kenny doesn't really want to do a duet with anybody. He just wants to do the song. (laughs) So when they called me and asked me, he said, well, I said, I understand Kenny doesn't want to do it. She said, yeah, Patty didn't want to do that with Michael McDonald either. But look what happened, you know, with On My Own. And I went, yeah. No, I just, you know, well, if you want to, if you want to force it, force it with somebody else. I don't want to do it. Now, Kenny, when he heard that I had done that from Jay, he was like, wow, you mean somebody didn't take a shot at that? And and Jay said, you know, I had told him he didn't want to do it. He said, Kenny didn't want to do it. I don't even know Kenny, but he doesn't want to do it. So Kenny got me a really great Kenny Rogers tour jacket for that. He says, thank you, Bill, for being actually an honorable guy. <laughs> you know. Bill, you played uh, probably, what, hundreds of, of shows with Chicago. Uh, what are the ones that, that stand out to you in your mind that you remember as being something special or unique? Well, I remember right after Jason got in the band, we were doing the, uh, they called it the We the People concert in Philadelphia. And it was right, they'd set up a big scaffolding stage right below those stairs that Rocky was running up, you know? You know, when he, when he ran up in his sweats and he ran up and he just at the top was, yeah, it was like there. So they had, they had this, the, you know, it was us and Grover Washington, actually. And there were two, like maybe 500,000 people, anywhere between 300 and 500,000 people. They had time speakers all the way into town. Pretty, pretty big show. And I just, I just wow. looked at Jason and I says, okay, this is what you do in this situation. Cause he was, you could see he was kind of freaked out. I said, don't look at anybody's eyes. You look at their foreheads. Otherwise, you know, that, that big an audience can, you know, scare you to death. I said, just consider it a, a, a local club day. And then we had Grover sit in with us on, uh, I think there was a solo session on just you and me and we got into it. I mean, it was like, you know, even with a, with an audience that big and you're playing with somebody like Grover, I'm not just going to play what was on the record. I'm going to let it fly a little bit. And we, and we took it around the band, man. He was, he was a sweetie pie. He's, he's no longer with us either. Grover was great, man. I mean, so, I mean, I think of the, of that big gig as the great little jam with Grover Washington Jr. You know, 
and and uh, you you like to you I know you do things in in sort of across a few a few different genres. Uh, how do you, how do you decide sort of what 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 calls you at a particular moment? You know, if if I sit down at a if I sit down at a piano and something comes out, it's usually going to be a little bit more kind of in a almost a David Foster-y kind of direction. If not ballady, it'll be a little bit more jazzy and the chords might be might go around, you know, move through just some different stuff. The thing that I really like and, I, and I, although I use, you know, very kind of accessible chord changes, but I like those surprises. I like a chord change, you know, whoa, I didn't expect that to come out, you know. Like for instance, from uh from the the B section of After the Love to the Chorus, there's this one change that is just like, oh, you know, there's one common tone to both the chords. And it's like, oh, it's just one of those things. I mean, when David handed me, he said, hey, let's put this tune on the album. And I said, great, put it on a cassette. I'll write the words. He said, no, 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 I got to teach it to you. Took me longer to learn it on the piano than it did to write the song. <laughs> Foster's, got, Foster's got five hands and he uses them all. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, all right, well, let's get to the reason that we brought you here as far as our game is Ooh. concerned. You heard the question that we asked of Jimmy. Uh, we wanted to know uh, in 1982, starting with the album Chicago 16, who the new band member was and what were the t- two top five hits he later sang on as solo lead for Chicago. Let's do with the hits first. Helen, what was the first song that Jimmy answered with? Jimmy said, look away. And uh, Mr. Champlin? Look away. That's correct. That, very good point for, uh, for Jimmy. Tell us about Yay. that song, look away. Well, that was a Diane Warren song. I think it was really one of her first big ballads. She was uh, she was coming on like a bat out of hell at that point in the game and had a handful of hits. Uh, I think her first big hit was uh, Rhythm of the Night by DeBarge. But, uh, and that was, right. she was right out of high school. I mean, that woman writes passionate songs. You got to give her that much. All right, uh, Helen, what was the other song that Jimmy said was a top five hit that we discussed? Jimmy said, I don't want to live without your love. And Bill Yes, Chaplin? indeed. That's another. That's yeah, correct. Another. That's Diane Warren and Albert Hammond. Uh, and then finally, of course, we wanted to know who was that new member of Chicago joining them in 1982 for Chicago 16, who went on to sing those two top five hits. Helen, what did Jimmy say? Jimmy said Bill Champlin. That sounds familiar. Bill Champlin, is that correct? That's correct. That's right. It was you. Congratulations. A clean sweep of the cluster fact, Jimmy Pardo. Yay. Uh, Jimmy, is there anything else you'd like to ask of or say to Bill Champlin while we you have You know, the here? one thing, Bill alluded to his solo album called Runaway, which I want to say came out in 81, or maybe early 82. 81, 80, right, Bill? I think, I think it was 81, yeah. Um, and he, there's a there's a great song in there called Satisfaction that he co-wrote with Richard Page from uh, oh, yeah. Mr. Mister. But there's a great song, a great ballad called Sarah that was written, if I'm not mistaken, with uh, co-written with Alan Thicke. Is that right, Bill? Exactly. Most people know Alan Thicke, of course, as the, as the sitcom guy and the, you know, maybe even a game show host. But he wrote a lot of jingles and stuff. But, but was that the only like pop song that he wrote? Um, I'm I'm not sure. I think he wrote uh, uh, the Facts of Life that uh, that his wife at the time, uh, uh, Gloria Loring. Gloria Loring, yeah. Gloria, actually- Gloria actually sang it for the TV show. The facts of life. Yep. The facts of life. I think that was Alan and Gloria might have written that. Yes. And in fact, you you were the second person to sing that on our show because we had Gloria Loring for oh my gosh. A, an expert uh, during Gloria. a facts of life category. And she came in and sang a few bars of that as well. Go ahead. You take the good, you take the bad, you take them both. And there you have the facts of life. The facts of life. Ah! Yeah, yeah, she did it. Fun. Gloria is an absolute sweetie pie. She's one of my favorite people ever. She was wonderful to have. That was our episode with yeah. uh, Andrea Rosen, I believe, had chosen that. Yeah. As and Alan, Alan was really great. He was a very talented guy. I mean, we wrote a handful of stuff together. I miss him a lot. He was a sweetie pie. He was very nice to me as well. Oh, it was yeah. wonderful to, to have you join us, Bill, especially under these you. circumstances. If people want to find out more about you, you've got a website people can visit? Yeah, it's uh, BillChamplin.com. I know that's a little hard to remember. I mean, all the HTTPS and blah, 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 www. Yeah. so on and so forth. Just BillChamplin.com. Do it, throw it in Google, and it'll, it'll usually bring stuff up. Great. Well, it was wonderful that you joined us. We really appreciate it very much. Well, Bill Champlin, everybody. Nice to, nice to talk Ooh. with you, Bill. Hey, Jimmy. Nice to meet you, bud. Talk My to pleasure. you soon. Hope to see you soon. All right, Helen, what is our score as we go into the final round? Jimmy has a whopping 15 points. Wow. And now it is time for our final round we call Fast Facts. I'll read 10 statements, and each contestant will answer with true or 
false. Actually, this will not work without another contestant. So, in fact, we have a very special bonus guest for this round. Helen, who do we have tonight? Here with us tonight is a comedy performer, magician, and son of Jimmy Pardo. Let's welcome Oliver Pardo. Oliver Pardo. Hi. Hi, so nice of you to join us. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. What's it like being stuck in a house with your mom and dad? It's fine. Oh, yeah? (laughs) What are you doing to pass the time? A lot of movies and crosswords. Mm, That's good. What did you get for three across? (laughs) <laughs> uh, we're, we're, we're also having conversation and playing games and stuff. We're not just like, hey, go do your crosswords in a, in a corner. You're right. I shouldn't trust your son to tell me the truth. Yeah, uh, all right. Uh, now it is time for our final round we call Fast Facts. I'll read 10 statements and each contestant will answer with true or false. I'll start with Jimmy and alternate between each guest. In this special version of the show, each correct answer is worth five points. This should determine the winner. And again, the answer to each statement is true or false. Here we begin. Jimmy, we are recording this for a podcast. True. Correct. Oliver, your dad, Jimmy Pardo, has a podcast. True. Correct. Jimmy, I, Jay Keith, have been on your podcast four times. False. Correct. That's right. It's been three times, but maybe one day. Oliver, you, Oliver, have been on your dad's podcast. True. Correct. Jimmy, Vulture recently said that the best episode of your podcast was number 1113. True. Incorrect. No, I'm sorry. It was 1117. Oliver, Vulture recently said that the best episode of your dad's podcast was 1117. True. Correct. Wow. How'd you know that? Jimmy, the median household income of a reader of Vulture is $111,616. False. Incorrect. No, it is true. Oliver, in addition to audio, your dad's podcast is recorded using video cameras. True. Correct. Jimmy, the video camera used for your podcast is a Sony HDR AV7. True? Incorrect. No, I'm sorry. It's an HDR UX1, according Ah. to Elliot Hochberg. And finally, Oliver, beating your dad in a game is fun. Definitely true. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely correct. Definitely correct. Let's give a nice hand to both Oliver and Jimmy Pardo. Thank you so much for joining us as Helen tabulates the final score. Again, Helen, it's five points for each correct answer in that last round. Helen, are you ready to announce the final score of today's episode? At the end of the game, Jimmy Pardo has 25 points, and Oliver Pardo also has 25 points. It's a tie. Wow. How exciting. All right. That means we have to go to our tie-breaking question. Uh, Here's how the tiebreaker works. I'm going to ask the question once, and then uh, don't answer right away. I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, blurt out your answers at the same time, and whoever is closer will get the correct answer and will win the game. Okay. Uh, Again, wait until I count to three. We do not play prices Right style, so whoever is closer will win. All right, here we go. The question is this. The world's fastest roller coaster is the Formula Rasa in Dubai. In miles per hour, what is its top speed? Think about it for a moment. The top speed of the world's fastest roller coaster. I have actually been on this roller coaster. Not the point, but now it's a tax write-off. All right. On the count of three, I'm going to ask each of you to blurt out your answers. One, two, three. 176. I heard heard 176 from Jimmy. And uh, Oliver, what was yours again? 25. It does 20. not make sense. It does not make sense. And in fact, I'm terribly sorry. It's incorrect. It's 149 is the correct answer. Oh. That means technically on, a, on the barest of technicalities, our winner is Jimmy Pardo. Congratulations, Jimmy. You are the facting champion on today's episode of Go Fact Yourself. What will you do with your championship? I will uh, sequester myself in my home and stare at my uh, certificate proudly. Excellent. Well, uh, we, we, we congratulate you and we appreciate you joining us on this very unusual episode. Uh we just want to give everyone a chance to promote any uh, upcoming products, appearances, services, websites, or podcasts. Jimmy, where can people find you? Of course, uh, on Twitter, at Jimmy Pardo, my award-winning podcast, Never Not Funny, and my web series, Jimmy's Records and Tapes, which you can find at youtube.com slash Never Not Funny. Excellent. Thank you again so much for joining us and for your friendship and support for all these years as we've uh, done this podcast and all the other shows that I've been involved in. We appreciate I'm honored it. to be part of all of them. Excellent. Oliver, where can people find you? Um, in real life. Excellent. A wonderful place to look for Oliver in real life. Ladies and gentlemen, you are so lucky to have as my hosting partner, Ms. Helen Hong. Helen, what do you have going on, if anything? I have been documenting my quarantine diet on Instagram, which is at funny Helen Hong. So you can see if you go on right now, pictures of me with a can of SpaghettiOs. 
<laughs> Wonderful. The lovely and talented Ms. Helen Hong. And me, I'm not doing much either, but you can find me on Twitter at J underscore Keith or on Instagram at jkeith.net, all spelled out. That just leaves me to thank Jimmy Pardo, Oliver Pardo, Jason Benetti, Bill Champlin. Please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at GoFactorPod. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Update our wiki at gofactorwiki.fandom.com and buy our T-shaped shirt at maxfunstore.com. I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Stay safe and good night. Like what you hear? Come see us live. Eventually. It's free. Go to gofactorpod.com for our schedule and tickets. And give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts like Jay Cornell did. He, she, or they said, Helen Hong is America's sweetheart. We can't get enough of her. And Jay Keith is very quick on his feet and must moonlight for the CIA because every other episode he has just returned from a trip to Africa or Iceland or who knows where. Thanks, Jay Cornell. I'm definitely not in the CIA. Nope. Helen? America's sweetheart? <laughs> Go Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised by Jim Newman and J. Keith Van Stratton and comes to you via transcription from various homes across Los Angeles. Questions on Go Fact Yourself were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. It is produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Go Fact Yourself's theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Maximum Fun senior producer is Laura Swisher. Today's show is engineered and edited by Julian Burrell. Special thanks to Joe Roti of the Chicago White Sox, Sarah Spain, Melanie Carlston, Robin Randall, Bob Skier, Mark and Joey Bonilla, Leora Saul, Clint Tauscher, Mike Avellanos, Sonia Weiser, Tristan Elliott, Adam Needif, Dave Bianchi, Erich Tran, and Christine Vallada. I've been Helen Hong, coming to you from isolation. Let's go wash our hands. Yay! MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.